Good morning and good afternoon and welcome to season two of Dream Reality. Dream Reality is a series of podcasts and recordings made by Aiden Consulting and me, Alison, your host. So we really focus on the SME or depending on where you are in the world, the SMB community. And how can we help these small and medium businesses grow? They've got the mindset. They've decided I've got a great product or I've got a great service. Now, how do I actually get bigger? How can I do that in a sustainable way? And that's what we're here to discuss. So we talk to people who have opinion, people who have ideas, people who are trailblazers and people who have just done it in the past and, you know, hopefully give us some advice. And we just put it out there and hopefully come away with some good nuggets. So today we are hopping across the pond from Ireland and we're over in the US of A. And we are here with Jen and she is the founder of, drum roll, the Play Jets. So Jen, what exactly are the Play Jets? (laughs) Alison, thanks for having me and thanks to everyone who's tuned in today. The Plagettes is a community for women taking an active role in their personal finances. And so we have weekly money conversations because money's such a taboo topic, but doesn't need to be. And so we're normalizing money conversations. We're expanding our financial literacy. We're increasing our financial confidence. We're doing it in financial community. This is the business that I love the most that I've created or owned or been involved with. And so um, it's such a joy to spend most of my time with the Plagettes. I love that. And, you know, I think that when anyone is so passionate about that, I like to think of us as a little bit of a special community. You know, each of us being a little bit special in our oddity in that we like things, things that maybe most people don't like. But I think that it's really, I love what you're doing and trying to normalize it. And I'm just going to go straight in and talk about that because and I'm stereotyping here and hands up. I am absolutely stereotyping. But in Ireland, we don't like talking about money. If I lend you money, I'm not going to ever ask for it back ever. The embarrassment, the shame, but as well, especially females, we don't like asking for money. And as well, when you start to looking in a business environment, you know, chasing up invoice payments, you know, how you can, you know, I don't have cash in the bank, but I want to grow loans and things like that. That's such a dirty word, loan. So how can we change the rhetoric? And how should we be thinking and talking about, how should we frame it when we come to talk about money? Yeah. Well, I like to look at money conversations like an onion. We're peeling back the layers of the onion. So, you know, when you're chopping the onion, it's the centerpiece that really makes you cry. But peeling the outside, that's easy. There's no tears. It's nice. And, you know, you know what you're doing. It's nice and easy. And so don't feel like you need to solve everything in one money conversation or don't feel like, You need to disclose all the bank balances and account balances and all the financial numbers in your business and in your life in 
in a money conversation there. I have talked with some people about money for over two years now, and I don't even, I don't know any of their balances and I don't have to, to have a happy, healthy, wealthy money conversation. And so when we can normalize what a money conversation is and how it can help us grow our business, it can be really fun. We can exhale, relax, I think a lot of people maybe just rolled their eyes there when you said it can be really fun. So, you know, (laughs) who should hope for us? (laughs) Well, Allison, we're going to have a money conversation here. So some of these outer layer money conversations that I'll start with, especially as business owners, is how did you choose your bank? That's something that nobody's terribly afraid to answer. Correct. Yeah. It's also something that sometimes isn't that intentional. And so when we do talk about it, then we really start to think like, well, how did I choose my bank? Did I just pick a global bank? Because in America, we've had a lot of consolidations of banks Mm -hmm. from like the early nineties to now. So, you know, there's four big global banks. There's a lot more community banks. There are online Mm -hmm. banks, there are credit unions. There's a lot of different options for you know, what you can, how you can do your quote unquote banking in your business. And so when we can start talking about that, it starts like we step into our power as a business owner and the financial and money decisions that we make. And we just are now building trust and credibility with somebody that we can just kind of keep peeling back the layers of the onions and have deeper money conversations about our businesses. I, I, you know, I think that that's really and now you've got me thinking, you know, is how did I choose my bank? And and you're right. And so I, I consciously chose my bank. But uh, I if I look at your family members, they didn't. They, you know, I think that I would hazard a guess, and I hope they're not listening, but I would hazard a guess that, you know, maybe they opened, you know, uh, maybe mom and dad opened an account for them. I think they might still be with that bank account. Oh yeah. I was for several years, my local bank that my parents set up my first savings account with kept getting acquired and acquired and acquired. Then I ended up at one of the big four global banks. And then loyalty is one of my values. So when I would call the bank, they would say, Oh, Miss Ewan, thank you so much for being a loyal member of ours since long, long time ago (laughs) year. And I'm like, oh, loyalty, that feels so good to hear. Like, I I should just stay with this global bank. And I'm like, no, they're reading a script off a computer. They don't actually know who I am. (laughs) Their values and the way that they use my deposits doesn't align with my values or support local businesses or do small business funding or all the things that I actually care about. So don't trick me in one sentence that you're reading off of a script. (laughs) That's awesome advice right there is just, you know, being more aware of, you know, that person at the end of the phone that, you know, what is your values and something that's come across in the whole of last season and already as we're recording this season is, and this is completely unintentional from my perspective, but every single person has come on and mentioned how their values rule their life and their awareness and how they've made decisions based on their values. So I'm just like, it's another one. And so point for everyone, all 
opportunities are really important. Yes, yes, they are. And my values show up with my money in so many ways, in the way that I spend, in the way that I bank, in the way that I give, in the way that I invest, both inside and outside of the stock market. Um, For example, so the Pledgettes is a business that I created, and I have a long-range goal to make it either a co-op or an employee-owned business. And so I'm in an online course now to learn all about co-ops and employee-owned businesses to make the right decisions for the future growth of this business. But it is that I have other businesses, real estate investments, consulting. My husband and I used to own a restaurant that uh, that gives me kind of the cash flow yeah. uh, to be able to spend money my time on the pledgets, even though I'm not getting that financial return because of our long range growth. Mm-hmm. And so as a small business and medium owned business owner, the biggest thing for me is all around building a sustainable business that has cash flow or you're very close to cash flow. I was on an entrepreneurial panel last week and I think all the attendees and even a lot of the panelists just we we have glorified venture capitalist fundraising and unicorns and going after all this VC money and that has neglected or put into the shadow the value of um hard money lending or having a relationship with a bank so you can get small business loans or crowdfunding or you know, all these different opportunities that we have to grow small and medium-sized businesses without taking on the energy and the extra weight of, of focusing purely on growth without profit, then I feel like you're not growing a business. You're yeah, just trying to get people to invest in an idea. And we don't even know if it's profitable. I mean, how there's so many large, crazy businesses out there that aren't profitable. I mean, even the way Jeff Bezos has run Amazon is that mm-hmm. it's not a profitable business. And for me as a business owner, building something that's sustainable and that's profitable is at the top of my list. I I think so. And I think, you know, when you, when you look as well at Amazon, which is a great example, I think there's, when you look in the details of it, there's so many problems in that business but it had such a charismatic leader with the right connections that those problems didn't really matter and I don't think that that is a positive or sustainable business model for the majority of people yes and I think that we should stop holding up these companies and holding them up as aspirational organizations that we, you know, one day that can be you. You can be the next Jeff Bezos. No, come on. That is not, that's not who I am. That's not who I want to be. And I definitely don't want to run an organization that is like that. But I think that you touched on some fab points there about capital and raising capital and you know, making sure that you have a growing business that is profitable. So if maybe we can chat a little bit on, you know, funding mechanisms. And by funding, I'm not talking about the VC route. You right. know, let's talk, you know, credit unions and, you know, family and friends or asset-based loans or these different things. And 
when do you think a business owner should really be thinking about I need financing um, or at what stage should they be at whenever they're they're really thinking about I need money and where am I going to get it from? Yeah, great question. So at the Pledgeettes, one of my favorite things to talk about is building your financial A-team. And so you do not need to go on your personal financial journey alone. I'm not a self-made man. I'm a community-made woman. I appreciate my mentors and my growth partners, my connectors, my diverse thinkers, all these people that I talk about money with that can help me make informed decisions as a CEO of my money. So looking at funding, one of the first things that is, if you have not taken on any funding, I think really check in with your relationship with your business financials. Every week I do a business health check. It's where I look at the KPIs in my business, track some metrics, look at all the transactions, record them all. Cause I like getting real deep into my numbers, know your numbers. They will help you make confident, informed decisions. And then as I grow, what I love to do is create short-term financial goals in my business so that when my business becomes more profitable, I have an intention for how I'm going to spend that money. So if you're a solopreneur or you just have a couple employees and you're waiting to get the next employee and you're feeling like it's close, set a small financial goal. When we hit, when we get an extra 5k a month in revenue, we're going to hire this person. I've got the job description ready. I know like I'm manifesting to the world that this is going to happen. And when you have when you have intentions for your money, money will come to you. Mm-hmm. That might get a little woo-woo, but if you're not setting short-term financial goals in your business and you just say, oh yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have to hire, you know, a, a marketing person in our business. Okay, well, when? How will your business know that you're ready mm-hmm. for that? And so you can, you know, you'll just, ah, oh, well, maybe in a couple months we will, or I don't know, maybe like. I'll just know, I'll just feel it. And it's like, no, like put a number on it. And I do this in my business. So either I have project-based goals that I'm working on. So when I, when I get $5,000 in my profit bank account, cause I have a separate mm-hmm. bank account yep. in my business for profit, then I'm going to hire the copywriter to rewrite my website. Mm-hmm. Okay. When I hit another 10K revenue per month in my business, then I'm going to bring on a full-time marketing person. So when we actually have these short-term marketing goals or short-term financial goals, they can actually happen because we know our numbers and we can confidently make these decisions instead of just having, I mean, I, I can see the vision and I've already mentioned some long range goals that I have in my business for five, 10 years, 20 years out, but those feel so big and arduous to kind Mm -hmm. of start chipping away at. So setting these mini goals, these short-term goals can have a serious financial impact on your business. I think that that is such good advice. I, you know, from knowing your numbers, I'm a big person all about numbers and KPIs. And I think that that is just so many people are afraid of numbers. 
you know, there's a lot of people that they just, you know, you mentioned PL or something like that, and they're like, oh, but really it's simple. Look at your revenue, your money coming in, and what's going out. And look at it every month. What comes in, what goes out. And if you look at nothing else, understand that and you're setting yourself up for success. Yeah. You know, I was I was just talking to someone. Uh, I put a post up on social media on, um, you know, managing your finances and, you know, being ready for growth and understanding where your cash went every month. And one of the pointers that I gave was like, have a look, take five minutes and count all your subscriptions, all those apps on your iPad or your iPhone that you're paying for every month. Just take five minutes, 15 minutes, however long, how many, you know, depends how many you've got, sit down with a cup of coffee and check, do you still use it? And a friend of mine came back to me and went, Alison, you have blown my mind. I canceled, wait for it, between Apple subscriptions and apps and actual subscriptions, 30. Wow. Yeah, just 30 because between her subscribing her kids to different things, her husband had subscribed to different things. She had used, you know, different applications for work and it was like okay but it's only like you know it's only five five dollars a month it's only this a month but she was like that's nearly two hundred dollars a month I've just saved myself yes and it was just incomings and outgoings just yeah sit down and, and look at it and when you look at your business financials too bring values into the conversation. Does this align to who I am as a business owner? So when I look at my financials, I want to spend almost all my money on hiring great people. That is the top priority in my company. And then shortly after that is, are these best people set up to do the best job that they can? So what systems and processes do they need? You know, if you're going to tell me that this system is going to save you, four hours and it's worth, you know, your hour, like 15 minutes of your hourly rate, then yeah, that's an easy yes to say. And so when you know your, your numbers and your business and how you're spending your business and how it aligns with your values, you can make these confident decisions, which feels good. It's fun. (laughs) I love that, but you've made it so approachable. You've made it so tangible that it's something that you can actually sit down and do and it's not overwhelming and it's not scary and then something that I want to just move on to and that's you know maybe maybe a business is thinking of investing um, or as an individual they're thinking about investing and right now here um, investing is a really hot topic over on this side at the minute. I'm not really sure what it's like in the US, but I imagine big news everywhere. And there was, um, I was talking recently to someone who said that their financial advisor admitted to never advising a female to invest in a startup because they're too risky and females are adverse to risk. I see your face, it's gone. She said, you've got an opinion and just, just stand by for a minute. But then I was talking to a, a financial expert and it was a female. 
And she said, no, no. What it is, in her opinion, was that men will make, need less information to make that decision. Whereas in her opinion, women just want a little bit more information, but they, it's the chances of them making that same decision are equal. They just want a little bit more information. So I would love to hear your opinion on investing as a whole and where you think we are for businesses, for females and for individuals. Yeah. Big question. Big question. So because money is this taboo topic, we learn about money from our mothers who learned about it from our grandmothers who learned about it from our great grandmothers and so on and so forth. Here in the United States, it wasn't until the Fair Credit Act that women could get um, a credit card in their name. Let me, so the Fair Credit Reporting Act came out in, oh my gosh, where's my, ah, the year escaped me. So I'm like, okay, let me go find the year. But it wasn't until like the 60s and the 70s. So it was like within the last like, you know, yeah. within our parents' generation, yes, when this actually happened. So, if we're getting our financial advice from our moms, and our moms couldn't apply for a credit or could be denied for getting credit on their own unless they had a male cosigner, yeah, the the information that we're receiving is limited, and it's not through anyone's fault. But if we just make money this taboo topic, we're not talking about the same thing. So, um. There are statistics that say when women do invest, they tend to outperform men because Mm -hmm. they, they do more research. They invest in less riskier options, but it's all around, you know, increase your financial confidence and your financial literacy, but start before you're hundred percent ready because time is the best, the best companion to have in investing. There's uh, that, and that's what everybody agrees on. Yeah. You know, whether it's compound interest, just having money set in, in an investment account or a, a savings account, the longer yeah. it's there, the more money it's going to make. Or the saying, time in the market beats timing the market. Mm-hmm. So when you look at yourself as a long term investor, what I like to say is, you know, if you're going to buy a house, every house that exists, is worth more today than it was worth 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. Will houses go down in value at some point? Yes. But in the long run, they have shown that they will, there is a high likelihood that they're going to increase in value. Same with the stock market. So, you know, if you're timing the market, you have to be right twice. You have to be right when you invest and you Mm got to be put in and when you put out. And so, if you just kind of put it in there in these long-term long range strategies, it will be great for you, but don't ignore it. You know, just do a little increase your financial literacy, do some more, keep checking on it. Keep nurturing your little nest egg for retirement. Keep increasing your financial literacy. It'll increase your financial confidence. And guess what, Allison? You'll have fun with it. It's fun to be an investor and I'm going to bring values back into this. So my partner and I invest in, in real estate and we have properties 
that we look at as our high performing properties. Mm -hmm. And we have a strategy for those. And then we have an equal amount of properties that we generally inherit tenants, but we do below market rent in those. Okay. And so, you know, if, if somebody was to say like, oh, I'm a real estate investor, like you would just think, okay, well, they're going to try to make as much money as possible in real estate. Mm-hmm. I am a real estate investor. And I believe that we need low wage workers in all of our communities. So I want to be a resource for that. Mm-hmm. Or one of my tenants is in his eighties and he's on a fixed income and he's lived here for 10 years. We bought the place and inherited him as a tenant And I'm not trying to kick him out. So he pays below market rent. And so as investors, it gets to be really fun because we get to make choices that align with our goals and align with our values and shift where wealth sits in the country and shift the community that we want to live in. I want the community where my tenant lives. Like I run into him at the grocery store. I love seeing him. And that's such a lovely values aligned investing. So Mm -hmm. I would say overall, whatever your gender, wherever you're at in your personal financial journey, invest, just do a little, just do what's comfortable now, and then increase your financial literacy, set the intentions to learn something new and start investing. Nobody's born with financial literacy. Those who had it made it a goal and made it happen. Oh, that's what a statement to end. <laughs> you weren't born with it. Those that have it made it a goal and made it happen. What? Yeah. Great. I, I, I'm speechless with that. I don't know how I, I can't follow that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well done. But that, well, yeah. What that really, I, I, the way that you're thinking about things is just so nice. The, the building the portfolio, the thinking and aligning with the goals and things like that. It's such a, I think it's such a fresh approach because we're, we are a values driven species. We have feelings. We, we are empath, empath, we have empathy. We are empaths. And we, we like it when we do something nice for someone and yeah. investing. I think too often we're, we're caught up in fast returns. You know, that dopamine hit almost. And we don't think of it as a longer term. And when you think of it in the longer term, it sits very well with your values and how you can help and the impact that you can have. And I love that you've just framed it like that. So that's it's really refreshing to hear that in the financial, you know, sphere, and yeah, fabulous. Well, it is also fun on the short term side too. My husband and I both have health savings accounts, which are available here in the U.S. because our health insurance is so expensive, and so nowhere else in the world has them apparently, yeah. but we do. But we get to invest this uh, essentially savings account that we can use on health expenses. And so my husband and I, we have separate accounts and we both have about the same amount of money invested and we do compete with each other for fun on the performance of our portfolios. (laughs) What a conversation over dinner. It's just fun. I mean, it's a low amount. We both started with like a thousand dollars in there and you know, we're both actually one that we, we both have, uh, one stock 
in common. And like that one did really well today. And my husband like texted, he's like, did you see what was happening with the stock? <laughs> Something's going on today. <laughs> but again, that goes back with being open and having the discussions about it and not being afraid to have those, those chats and making it fun, you know, making a little bit competitive, but not taking it too seriously or too far. And yeah. it's, it all feeds back and is all intertwined with the way that you approach it. And I love that, you know, the, your, your approach and the way you think about it is just so refreshing and it is quite different to the traditional way that, uh, that the majority of people think it's very enlightening. Oh, good. I, I hope your it. listeners enjoy this too. I know we talked about funding in the businesses. You asked the question and I kind of just went on to like my small short-term financial goals. So if your listeners do have some questions around getting funding, you know, decide what kind of business you want. If there is a moment in time where you want high growth, you're going to, you know, make a big investment in your business, whether it's to increase manufacturing of your product, or you're going to make some big hires and you need some funding, have, go and have the money conversations, talk to your bank representative, talk to your business coach, talk to um, other entrepreneurs and business owners that might be 10 steps ahead of you and get their mentorship and share their experience. And when you get multiple perspectives and multiple ideas, then you can confidently make decisions on the right path for you. But know that there's so many paths out there, whether it's, yeah. you know, hard money lending, we've mentioned a lot of them, getting a, a loan, an asset loan, sharing equity in your business. Yeah. You know, there's so many different ways, just have enough money conversations to give you the confidence to make the right business decision for you and your business. Yeah. And that's fabulous advice right there. So thank you. Thank you. It's been awesome. I do. So this podcast is called Dream Reality. So if, and I ask everyone this, but if the stars and the planets aligned and you could have the perfect future world, how do you think we would approach money maybe within the SME, SMB ecosystem how would, how would we talk about money in the future and then balance it with how you think it will actually play out? Well, we would actually talk about money. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's the world I want. I want the world where we actually talk about money because when we see what I love most about small and medium-sized businesses is that they kind of have their niche. And those who believe that we're not playing a zero sum game, that there is enough for everyone. Like, you know, it, I worked at a service agency and of course I had competition and I wanted to be better than my competition. But I also knew that if they earned some business that I lost, there were, there was more business for me to go get. There's enough yeah. business for everyone. And so, you know, as we normalize money conversations, as we build up our financial A team full of mentors and mentees, don't forget mm -hmm. to have some conversations with those who are coming up behind you. We can learn from each other. We can be stronger, small and medium-sized businesses because 
That's the backbone of every economy in our entire world, our small and medium-sized businesses. It is not the large-scale global businesses that seemingly are making the choices in this world. But I mean, if anything, we learned from COVID, it's in the U.S., the government spent so much money supporting small and medium-sized businesses because they knew that without them, the economy would collapse. Yeah can't live with just Walmart and Amazon and Apple. Like we need more choices. We need more companies. And so, you know, for me, the perfect ecosystem would be normalizing money conversations. It would be a lot more collaborations Mm -hmm. and believing that collaboration beats competition any day. And to get out of this zero sum game. Mm -hmm. Fab. And do you think that that's achievable? I like to think we're moving in that direction. Oh, the positivity. I love that. <laughs> because what I see is like the, I think, especially as women on women businesses, there's a lot of solopreneurs here, a lot of single member businesses here in the US for women. And I think the business advice that a lot of women get is, you know, learn everything. You, oh, you, you should be on social media. Oh, you should know your finances. Oh, you should be in charge of the marketing. You should be in charge of operations. And we should all over ourselves. And we spend so much time learning how to do every aspect of our business that we're working in the business instead of on the business. Yeah. And when you look at those businesses that are scaling quickly, they leverage other people's time and money. Yes. So they hire out more than they learn themselves. Mm -hmm. They take some risk and take on funding instead of like growing more sustainably. And, you know, these are all choices that you get to make in your business. But one thing that has certainly piqued my interest, and I'm going through an online course now on, is around cooperatives and employee-owned businesses. Mm -hmm. My life vision is all about shifting the wealth in this country and, um, so I want to see like, what does the pledge has become a co-op or an employee owned business? Mm-hmm. Like, what does it look like? And, and if I can learn this and crack this code and there's fantastic organizations out there already doing mm-hmm. this, but, you know, let's get some solopreneurs marketing services together in a cooperative instead of mm-hmm. all selling to the holding company that holds a bunch of service agencies. Yep. Like, let's grow together instead of trying to put it all on our own shoulders. Lovely thought to end. So on. much soapboxing. <laughs> we love a soapbox. I mean, if you don't have a soapbox, I'm wondering what you're doing here. <laughs> These are, you asked my dreams. These are my dreams. That's exactly what we want to hear. So I also asked you if you have a book or a podcast that you, that you like to recommend or you like to go back to frequently. So with the pandemic and all the different restrictions, I have gone down this uh, dark hole of resistance. <laughs> oh, okay. I am just sitting in a lot of resistance because it's like the future is not predictable. I don't mm-hmm. have as much seemingly control that I had pre pandemic. And so I've been sitting with a lot of resistance and in a lot of resistance. And a friend recently recommended the book, the war of art. Ooh. And it talks a lot 
about resistance. So it can get a little woo woo and it's definitely digging deep. There's some things that I disagree in within it. Um, but there's some things that have really opened up my eyes to make me Mm -hmm. think. And so it's a really fast, short, quick read the war of art. Check it out. Cool. I haven't heard of that one. We'll link it in the, uh, in the show notes for anyone who's interested. And then finally, hopefully something to make you smile as well. If you're just low energy, you're just having a tough day, or you just need a bit of motivation, motivation. What is your go-to song? I love putting, um, Lizzo good as hell on and dancing with my dog. Cause once I start jumping around, she thinks it's playtime. Yeah. And so we have a dance party for however long the song is three and a half yeah. minutes or so. And, and that movement and just getting up from my desk and shaking my brain around helps yeah. so much. Oh, that's, fun. do you know, that is such an enlightening question. Everyone always surprises me when they answer it. Cause I played this little game and it's like, I, th- I think they're going to go this route. And I'm, always wrong always <laughs> wrong and it's just they, they some people just completely go left field and I'm like where did that come from no <laughs> what where, how did that happen so it's fabulous but what a great recommendation isn't it Jen what a conversation so if anyone wants to uh, reach out to Jen or get more information her contact details will be uh, linked here in the in the show notes and reach out to her if you have any questions uh, I'm sure she'll be more than happy to have a conversation with you and really what a conversation about money tonight it's been full of laughs it's been fun like you promised it's not too serious but I think that you really put put across that it's 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 manageable break it down it's easy. Don't go big picture, just nice and slowly. And at the end of the day, you can teach yourself anything and take a few risks, but manageable risks. Yeah. yeah. That was such a beautiful summary, Allison. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks to everyone tuning in. As Allison mentioned, I love having money conversations. So if you want to have a money conversation with me, reach out. Let's talk money. That's it. Thank you very much.